Thank you for tuning in to today's life message from Cornerstone Church. We hope you enjoy today's encouraging message. If you would like more information about the church, stay tuned after this podcast. Yeah, good morning, everybody. We are glad you are here. They're going to put up some house lights so you can see your neighbor. Um, I want to start with something funny. It says, Grandpa, did God make you? A little girl was sitting on her grandfather's lap as he read her a bedtime story. And from time to time, she would take her eyes off of the book, reach out and touch his wrinkled cheek. She was stroking her own cheek and then his. And finally, she said, Grandpa, did God make you? Yes, sweetheart, he answered. He made me a long time ago. Oh, she paused. Grandpa, did God make me too? Oh, yes, indeed, honey. God made you a little while ago. Filling their faces again, she said, God's getting better at it, isn't he? (laughs) I want to preach to you. Our sermon series is called Called. Called. And my message is Discover Your Greatness. Um, Everyone is called. Everyone. Say everyone. Look at your neighbor and say, that means you. Look at yourself and say, that means me. Everyone is called. I want to read to you a couple scriptures. 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are a a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased, special people that you may set forth the wonderful deeds And display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. I want to tell you, you're first called out of darkness. Isn't that a wonderful thing? I hate being in the dark because you can't see. God has called you out of darkness. Somebody say amen. How many God has called you out of darkness? Oh my. It's wonderful. Um. And it said, once you were a people, not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you were unpitied, but now you are pitied and have received mercy. Thank you, Jesus. John 15, 16 says, you have not chosen me, but I chose you and I appointed you. I have planted you that you may go and bear fruit and keep on bearing. And that your fruit may be lasting, that it may remain, abide, so that whatever you ask in my Father's name, as presenting all that I am, he may give it to you. I want to tell you, you are chosen to bear fruit. Say amen. Amen. Say, I'm called to bear fruit. Your greatness comes from God. Your greatness comes from God. Your DNA may have come from your father, earthly father, but your greatness comes from your heavenly father. Every good gift comes from God. The Bible tells us that every good gift comes from God. Aren't you glad that people do not determine your calling? Your cousins don't get to decide. You know, God doesn't call up your cousin and say, okay, what do you think about this? Or your sister or brother, what do you think about? No. People do not determine your greatness or calling. You may have come through your father, but you are from your father. Somebody say amen. You may have had a wonderful father, earthly father, who spoke good things over you. You may have had a terrible father who never paid you any attention. Your greatness comes from your heavenly father, regardless of what your earthly father looked like. Now, if we look at King David, he had a wonderful earthly father. 
His father was a good man. But even his father did not see the greatness inside of David. And he had a good dad. Sometimes your family can't see the greatness that is in you. Because they live with you and sometimes you aren't so great. Right? So I had one of those moments yesterday. We started out. My husband worked all night Friday night. So you can just set the stage. He's been up all night. Came home, slept for about two hours. We get, he gets up and we load up the car to go four and a half hours to go watch our son play football. And so uh, I drive because he was tired, so he rested. And if you know, if you travel with my husband, he does not rest well unless he's driving. <laughs> You'll get that in a minute. <laughs> uh, every bump I hit, he wakes up. I'm like, honey, it's just the road. I can't do anything about the potholes in the road. So needless to say, his, his rest was not as good as if he had been driving. We'll just put it that way. And so we're driving, four and a half hours later, we arrive at the football game, which was in the middle of nowhere, Virginia. And, I mean, we were pushing it to get there at time, and so I dropped him off. Then it's like 100 degrees, so we sat in the heat. It started at 2, the hottest part of the day. So we sat, and the game ends at 4.30, and I'm thinking, oh, this is good. We're going to get home early, because our son goes to a military school, and he'd he had secured all the signatures to be able to go on the youth camping trip, which was three and a half hours in a different direction. Well, he's 14. 14-year-olds sometimes don't realize the importance of a piece of paper with people's signatures on it. Guess who couldn't find his home pass that he had to have everybody sign at the end of the game? Yes, our son. So for an hour, an hour... We're looking for this pass. We can't find it. Football coach said, I can't let you go with him. It's accountability, and CJ is balling. Bobby's been up all night. We've sat in the heat and driven four and a half hours. Thankfully, someone at the military office said, if your parents email me, you can go. So CJ jumps in the car. So now I'm like, well, it's 530. It's not too bad. We'll drive the three and a half hours to get to the youth trip, drop him off, drive the three hours home. It won't be too late. But everybody's hungry. So we stopped to get something to eat, in which the service was extremely slow. An hour and a half later, we hit the road. So we start our three-and-a-half-hour drive west to get him to the youth rafting trip, in which our GPS directs us to the back entrance of the resort which the gate is closed, and nobody in the youth group knows how to find us, and we don't know how to get to the front entrance. So for another hour, we drove around trying to find the front entrance, and, well, it's 10.30 at night, and I just about had enough. I, had, I was being ugly. My brother was on the phone. He's like, where are you? I said, if I knew where I was, I would tell you. I don't know where we are, you know, and... And I'm all in a tizzy because I, uh, number one, I hate being late. Number two, I hate being pressured. And then I'm like, I have to preach in the morning. And anyway, we got home at 2 a.m. Praise the Lord. We made it back home. But I'm really thankful that God didn't call up my husband in yesterday and say, what do you think about her preaching tomorrow with that attitude? Listen, your family does not get to determine your greatness or calling. Somebody say Amen. Your past does not get to determine your greatness or calling. Only one, 
not your heavenly father. That's good news. Because no matter what yesterday looked like, you can start over today. I'm thankful for that. So David had a wonderful father who loved all of his children. But you know this story. The king, uh, the prophet comes and says, we're going to anoint somebody to be king. And God has told me it's from your line. And like most parents, the first one they think about is the oldest. I'm the oldest. I love that position. Go get Renee. Yes, she'll do. I love that position. You're always thought of first. So they go get the oldest brother because David's dad, Jesse, he's thinking he's the biggest, he's the strongest military. Yes, brings him in and that's not the one. And they go through all the sons. And if you read the account, they don't even bother to get David. They don't even think about him. And the prophet says, are there any more? Well, there is this one youngin of mine. We'll go get him. And it was David. Even David's family did not see the greatness that God had placed in him. So if your family doesn't recognize it, it's okay. Say it's okay. Don't get all worked up. It's okay. My dad will tell you a story about uh, God healing him from warts. And he's got part of his thumb missing where the doctors tried to cut the warts out. He had terrible, terrible warts. And God healed him. Healed him. And they all fell off, never to come back. And he called his mother and told her, and she didn't believe him. And when he walked, when he went back to see her, the first thing she did was not hello, how he grabbed his thumb to see if the wart was gone. Um, You know, your family sometimes won't believe what God's called you to. That's okay. Your heavenly Father determines your calling. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, God, point two is God sees the end from the beginning. He sees it. So many times we want to see the end as well. I do. I like to know how it's all going to work out and all the details. That is not how God works. You know, you turn on your GPS, you plug it in. Hopefully it won't take you to the back end of the resort where the gate's down and nobody knows where you are. But you can get an overview of that whole plan. And it's very detailed. In 6.3 miles, you'll exit off the interstate. And then the little lady will say, in one mile, take exit 564 to whatever. You can see the whole overview. We like to be in that position with our lives. But that's not the position where God is in that position and he sees the overview. It's our responsibility to get in the car and start driving. Now what happens when you've been driving and it's 50 miles to the next exit? She doesn't say very much, does she, if yours is a female voice? Why doesn't she say anything to you while you're driving those 50 miles? Because you're going in the right direction. She starts to speak up when it's time to exit or make a turn. Oftentimes, that's how God is in our life. We're moving along and we don't hear anything and we wonder, God, are you there? Just keep driving. When it's time to make a turn, when it's time to take an exit, when it's time to go to a different location, God will speak up. You know, he says, I know the plans I have for you. I know them. But God, I want to know them. Well, I will reveal them to you. Every step you take. 
When you're driving, my dad's often used this example. I've heard it since I was a little girl. At night, when you get in the car, you drive as far as your headlights take you. You don't pull off the road because you can't see the end destination. You just keep following your headlights, and you'll get to the destination, right? Amen. It's and if you look back sometimes in your family line, nobody's ever done anything great. Maybe nothing's ever happened. Listen, if you look back, it might be level, but God wants you to look up. He wants you to look up. Gideon was a man who said, God spoke this great thing over Gideon, and Gideon looked back, and he said, there's nobody in my family. Like, our family is the least of the families, and then we're the least of those families. Like, we're the least of the least of the least. How can this be? God does not want you to look back at your lineage. He wants you to look up. Somebody say amen. The Bible says, if God is for me, who can be against me? I can do all things through Christ. You know, if you had all the facts about where you were going, then you wouldn't need any faith. And the Christian life is not a life of facts. It's a life of faith. And so God does not give you every next step. He gives you a step. And you take that and trust Him for the next the Bible says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That, that indicates a step. And then the next step. And then the next step. Just because you don't have all the details doesn't mean that God doesn't have all the details. Somebody say amen. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. The steps. The steps. You are called to greatness. Point three is you're never going to reach your destiny or fulfill your calling sitting still. Say amen or ouch. I don't care. Some of you have sat and found yourself sit seated and not moving forward anymore. You can say, I'm getting older. Well, God did that in that stage of my life and I'm at a different stage in my life. What was my first point? Everyone is what? Called? Everyone is called? Not everyone is called until they're 49. And not everyone is called if your family was in the ministry. Everyone is called. Second Chronicles. Oh, I forgot to give that one to Albert. Well, that's fine. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord are searching for who he can show himself strong. He is looking for you. Say that. Say, God is looking for me. God is looking for you. And he wants to show himself strong to you. Whew. I feel the Holy Spirit on that. God is looking for me. Hallelujah. Even when I'm having a bad attitude. I, you know, my 14-year-old son, he was like, I'm sorry, Mama. I was like, well, listen, it's not your fault. Have a good time. Go rafting with the kids. Have a good time. God is looking for you even when you blow it. He's still looking for you when you got it all together. God is looking for you. 
the eyes of the Lord are roaming to find somebody that he can show himself strong to. But you will never reach your destiny or fulfill your calling if you're just sitting still. God wants you to take a step. He wants you to take a step. He wants you to take a step. And then when you take that step, if you don't hear him say, you know, to do something different, keep taking that step. Keep taking that same step over and over and over. And you will reach your destiny. Be faithful in the first step that God's given you. Say, be faithful in the first step. This is a church in West Virginia. And the pastor there pastored this church. And many times his whole congregation was seven people. And three of them were his family. Our family has been there. In fact, this beautiful facility, we never saw this coming. I'm just telling you the truth. The first church my dad pastored was in Meat Camp, North Carolina. Meat Camp. That doesn't sound like a very fun place, does it? (laughs) It sounds like, you know, deliverance. And you could hear that music if you went just a little ways in the woods. The church, I'm serious. The church had an outhouse. There were shootings up there. The families didn't like each other. They ran moonshine. They picked herbs and they quit school in eighth grade and then they hated their neighbor. And it was, I have a distinct childhood memory. And my mom and dad will tell you I'm not lying. I was six years old. There was a neighborhood drunk, if you can imagine, in the mountains of North Carolina. What was his name, Daddy? Eisenhower. Carol Eisenhower. Carol Eisenhower would get drunk and walk down to the church and ask Dad for a ride back to his house. I don't get it, but that's what he did. And Carol Eisenhower would come drunk a lot. And he was a mountain man, and he would drink a lot and then come and get in fights. And his brother had shot him once in the leg, and he walked with a limp. And he had a speech impediment. He was a scary guy. Well, he'd come to church drunk, too, and carry his six-pack. That's really true story. <laughs> it's true. And uh, Carol Eisenhower showed up at our house at 2 in the morning, banging on the door, ripping the screen door off, drunk, wanting my dad to take him home. And dad had had enough. Now, I know this is going to be hard for you to imagine, but at one point in Pastor Crosswhite's life, he was pretty rough. Pastor knew that Carol had been shot, so it's dark outside. He flips on the light in the living room. We had a picture, a big window, so now you can see in the living room. And Pastor Crosswhite goes and gets the shotgun. Carol's standing outside, and Pastor starts loading it. I am not lying. And Carol Eisenhower sees that gun, and he says, Don't shoot me, preacher. Don't shoot me, preacher. Don't shoot me, preacher. And he left, and he never came back to our house drunk again. That's how Pastor Crosswhite pastored in the mountains. Mom and Dad, is that a true story? That's a true story. Okay, it wasn't a shotgun. It was a 22. I'm sorry. Pastor Crosswhite pastors a little differently in Statesville. Can you say hallelujah? Yes. So when we were in ministry, this, what you see here, was never, never even crossed any of our minds. Isn't that true? But dad just kept kept taking the next step. And sometimes we'd take a next step and we'd think, God, where are you taking us? 
where is this going? How can this be part of your plan? Because we were in the mountains of North Carolina in meat camp and lived on Howard's Knob called Frog Level, way up on the top of the mountains. And then God called Daddy to a church in Jefferson that was condemned. The building was so bad it was unsafe to enter. Honestly, at any minute they thought the roof would collapse on the parishioners. And we were having church there. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We would go in and dad would turn on the heat and the church had leaks. And so in the winter time, the heat was off. The leaks would freeze into icicles. And on Sunday morning, he'd turn the heat on and the icicles would melt. And you'd strategically put your hard metal chair where it wouldn't get dripped on. I'm not lying. And he would preach. Right there, sort of like that in West Virginia. This preacher was faithful to the seven people in West Virginia. He preached every Sunday where God had called him. Then he'd clean the church and he'd tell people, and people in his town could not see the greatness that God had placed in him, but he kept on being faithful at the step he was at. And so dad went to the county and said, we'd like to repair this building. And the inspector came in and went right back out and said, you may not repair this building. In fact, if you use it, I'm going to condemn it. If you don't use it, I'm not going to condemn it, but you're not going to use it. And here we are with a building we can't even meet in. And at times it was like, God, what are you doing? Is this really part of your plan? And then my dad had the bright idea to burn that thing down to the ground in the middle of a neighborhood burn it down and he asked the fire department if they'd do it and they said no we don't want the liability and they said we'll come out here but you're liable and we stood around that church thinking we can't use this building we're going to burn it down and they began to pray and in the meantime while they were making the plan to burn it down my dad started cleaning up the property now if you know pastor crosswhite he's a worker he started cutting down trees and everything and since we're not going to use that building he started putting all those dead branches in that building busted out windows so now you come by if you saw this in the natural you would think what is that preacher doing there were limbs sticking out of the window dad am i exaggerating any of this i am not exaggerating any of this he'd wish i'd stop I'm not making fun of my father. I'm just telling you, he was doing exactly the next thing that he felt God called him to do. And when you looked at it, you would say, what is that man doing? The night came to burn it. They went inside this building that was ready to fall down, full of branches and trees and poured kerosene. Came outside and said, now what's next, God? And they paused and they felt the Holy Spirit tell them, to pump the building full of water. So they put 10,000 gallons of water in a building they're getting ready to burn on that flat roof. You could hear that thing creaking. I was 12 years old. I distinctly remember it. You could hear that building creaking. Those walls were about to give way. People in the neighborhood came out to watch because they were ready to come after the church when that fire got out of control. And messed up their stuff. So inside they go. And they light a match. And a little flame starts. Well, that thing was a square building. 
So the fire kind of spread out and went up the sides of the building and it looked like a trash can. All the fire stayed contained right inside of those walls and burned straight up. And the water that we dumped on would slowly go down and keep it under control where it would just burn and be put out a little bit and burn, be put out a little bit. And eventually the roof collapsed and the water came down, but a little flame stayed. That thing burned inside of itself and the walls fell in and nothing was damaged. Praise the Lord. The walls were concrete. Yep, the walls were concrete. They were block. And we watched God do a miracle. And then we built a church there. We, Dad built a church. He was a young man and got out there with his hammer. He did a lot of it himself. And there were days he was discouraged, but he knew God called him there. And then, miraculously, God sent a drug dealer to pay for our building. Really? He did get saved first, yes. He was a drug dealer. He was a major drug dealer. He will tell you, he's still living, um, that he ran drugs for the mafia from Florida to New York. And North Carolina was a stopping point. And he trafficked hundreds of thousands of pounds of cocaine every day. And he had a beautiful house on 50 acres of land and got saved. And he said, I got to give everything I made in drugs to the Lord. He signed that deed over to our church. And dad had a dream. And in that dream, he saw the building that we just built. We now have two mortgages on the one we burnt down. And the one that, there they come with the tissues. Thank you. You all know the drill. Every week I preach. I got to have these. All right. Praise the Lord. We now had two mortgages. Very few people. And God gave dad a dream that in one year, that building would be paid for one year. Dad said, I, I don't know how you can do this, God. Second part of his dream, he saw himself standing in a large auditorium preaching. And my dad never saw the greatness that was in him. And neither did his family. And neither did a lot of people around him. And even he didn't see that. And he began to say, God, this is too big. I can't believe you for this. But if you'll fulfill the first part of paying this building off in a year, I will be able to believe you for the second part that I could preach before all of these people. Well, there came Jim. 11 months we sold that property, paid off his mortgage. What was left paid off the church in full. Less than a year. See, we just kept taking the next step. And then from there, God brought us to Statesville and we just kept taking the next step. You see this church? This preacher preached and preached and preached. His little community didn't see the greatness in him. Somebody heard his message and overnight he was on TV. T.D. Jakes, that's his church he started in, in West Virginia. But you won't ever reach your destiny or fulfill your calling if you sit still. So this morning, I want to tell you that it's time to start making steps. God has called you. God has called me. And there's something that only you can do that I can't do. 
This church has about 150 people that now attend. I want you to try to wrap your mind around what would happen if all 150 people took a step towards their destiny. Oh, my goodness. What would happen if, if whatever God's called you to do, you said, all right, today I'll take a step. What's a step look like? It's not the finished product. It's just a step, right? It's just a step. Maybe God has called you to open a home for unwed mothers. I don't know. Take a step. Start saying it. God has called me to open a home for unwed mothers. Because what happens is when you tar start taking a step, God might bring a drug dealer to pay for your home. He might. We didn't see that one coming. Mm -mm, no way, no way. We didn't see it coming. But God did. He had the GPS. He knew that exit we needed to take that day. And bam, it was done. Listen, when we started this Christian school, I had no clue what I was doing. I just knew God called us to start a Christian school. So we said, we're going to start a Christian school. Praise the Lord. And we did. And then we just took the next step and the next step and the next step. Did we mess up along the way? Well, yes. But we serve a God that turns all things for our good. Can you say amen? We do. We serve a God that turns all things for your good. So you make a mistake, God will turn it for your good. And you'll learn something and you'll say, well, let's not do that again. Come on. Let's not do that again. I'm hoping that the burning down church days are over for Pastor Crosswhite. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Uh, I, I just really sense this morning that God has spoke. You, there are so many in here that you know exactly what God's called you to do. I mean, he's made it clear. But you've been afraid to take the next step because you don't know the end. Like you're, you're like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work. You listen, stop trying to be the GPS. Get in the car. Turn on the ignition and make a step forward. I don't know what God's called you to do. But I know that if everybody in this church took at least one step towards their destiny, we would be the most radical church in the whole city. We'd be the most fruitful church in the whole city. I'm telling you. And you don't have to have a degree to take a first step. You don't have to even have had it right yesterday to take a first step. Take a first step, my goodness. Take a first step. Just start. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Our family, we... I mean, if you, if you look back on my mom's side of the family and you look back on my dad's side of the family, there's no indication that anybody would ever be here. None whatsoever. Both of them from very, very poor, dysfunctional families. I'm not telling you anything they wouldn't tell you. Alcoholism in the homes, abuse in the homes, a mess, a mess, a mess. And somebody along the way was just taking a step that God called them to take. And a van showed up at my mom's house when she was a little girl and began taking those kids to church because somebody was just taking the next step. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You are called, and you are called to greatness. I'm called to greatness. And God has the GPS, and he knows where you're going. Just 
take a step. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I just thank you in the mighty name of Jesus right now. We are sitting in your presence, and you have made your calling so clear to so many. God, I bind up the spirit of fear that would keep people from taking the next step. And for those who are on the journey and they're moving forward, God, I pray provision for them in the name of Jesus. Every need met in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. And we'll keep running towards our destiny. You know, Peter, a lot of people criticize Peter about him. You know, he got out of the boat. They say, well, he sunk. Well, he walked on more water than you did. And he didn't sink because that, that connotation means sunk. Like, you know, he, he didn't sink. He sunk for a minute, but he didn't like sink and stay sunk. And now I'm getting all the verb tenses, so let's move on. Even when he was sinking, that wasn't the end of the story, was it? No, because he experienced something that nobody else did because he took a step. He stood out there with Jesus and they walked back to the boat. He experienced something because he took a step. Thank you, Jesus. Just take a step. Hallelujah. Say, I am called. I'm going to take a step. Thank you for listening to this week's encouraging podcast. You can find out more information about the church on our Facebook page at Cornerstone of Victory Church, Statesville. Remember, life begins at the cross.